Philippians chapter 1, verses 3 through 11. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart and, whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. This is the word of the Lord. All right, let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the opportunity to gather and worship and um, sing your praises, uh, even when we have small hiccups and we meet bumps in the road. Uh, We pray that this would just drive us to focus on you, uh, not the distractions, but on you. We want to focus on you, Father, through your word. Uh, It's in Jesus' name we make this request. Amen. All right. (laughs) They're working for me, not for anyone else, but uh, they're working for me. Grateful. Have you ever thought about how you might act if you uh, like meet someone really important? Uh, like, you know, if you were to visit some place, like a palace or like the Capitol or the White House, and you see someone who's really famous, who uh, has some authority, like a governor or a president or a king or a queen, like how would you act in that moment? Now, specifically, how, how would you act if you were to meet uh, Prince William and Kate, the uh, formerly Middleton, Kate Middleton, the Duchess of Cambridge. So they're royalty, but they're not like American royalty, they're British royalty. And if you were to go up to them, would you, would you shake their hands? Would you like bow to them because they're kings and queens, or they will be one day? Or would you like do both? Would you bow and shake your hand at the same time? I'm not sure how I would act or, or even what I would say, right? Because you want to say something that, you know, makes a lasting impact on them, that you, this is their opportunity to meet you. Like, this is, you don't want to spoil this opportunity. This is great for them. Well, a couple of years ago, they, they visited the States, right? They visited the States, and they went to a, a Cavaliers game. I want to show you a picture They met LeBron James after uh, the game, and he took, there's this picture that was taken with him. And you might notice something about the picture. What is LeBron James doing? He is putting his arm around the Duchess. And British media had like a British meltdown when, <laughs> when they saw this picture. They were horrified that like this sweaty basketball player would dare touch the future queen of England. Dare touch royalty. In fact, a, a, a British TV host, Pierce Morgan, says this. I love the picture, by the way. (laughs) He's just like exuding his Britishness. You do not put your arm around the future queen of England, LeBron James. You may call yourself King James, but you are not a real king. 
Prince William is going to be my king. That was his wife. Hands off the duchess. <laughs> I love it. Now, uh, the, the British media was floored that, you know, LeBron James would break royal protocol that way. But what they didn't know is that LeBron James was actually doing like an awkward Christian side hug when he was up there. <laughs> so chances are, if you ever meet royalty, uh, you should probably not give them a hug. And I am a hugger, like I like to give hugs. So if you're not a hugger and I approach you to give a hug, just say, I'm royalty. <laughs> and I'll know, I'll know not to give you a hug. So how should we approach, approach those that are important, those that are royalty? And today we're talking about prayer. We're in the book of Philippians. And what is prayer? Prayer is approaching God. Is God a little bit more important than Kate and Prince William? Yeah, God's really important. So how should we approach God? How should we talk to God? Now, in our passage today, Paul, the apostle, when he's writing Philippians, he models prayer for us. He, he tells us about what he's been praying, and then he actually says a prayer. So he's, he's modeling how to pray and, and what to pray for. Now, he doesn't say, like, you have to pray this way, you have to pray like me, but I think there are some lessons that we can learn from this passage. And he gives uh, first four ways on how to pray, how should we pray. So let's jump right in. How should we pray? In verses three, he says, I thank my God every time I remember you. Now this is like a very cordial, very happy, very encouraging way to open one of his letters. Paul has opened other letters in the New Testament and just like scathing rebuke. So his letter to the Galatians, he calls them deserters for abandoning the gospel. It's not really like a very kind letter to them. But when Paul writes to the Philippians, he's encouraging them. He's happy. And if you read the whole book of Philippians all at once, you see he talks about joy a lot. He talks about encouragement. He's, he's encouraging the Philippians. And the very first line in verse 3, I thank my God. So the first way we should pray is just gratefully. Let's pray thankfully. Paul has a lot to be thankful for when it comes to the church at Philippi. There was no church there 10 years prior. So when he arrived at about uh, 50 AD in Philippi, in Macedonia, ancient Greece, there wasn't enough Jewish men to form a synagogue. So there wasn't even 10 Jewish men. And now there's Lydia, she's a Christian, the jailer's a Christian, a demon-possessed girl, we assume, is a Christian. A man named Epaphroditus, we're going to read about later in this book, two women, Yodia and Syntyche. And many, many more who we don't have their names. Now there's a church where there was none. Paul has something to be grateful for. Paul is also grateful because they have supported him financially. They have given their funds to Paul. They're one of the few churches to do so. And they, even, they didn't even just give their money. They gave one of their people. They sent this guy named Epaphroditus to, to go and be an encouragement to Paul, to do kind of hands-on ministry, hands-on encouragement in his life while Paul sits in prison. Paul's actually in prison, and yet he's still finding something to be grateful and thankful for. Now, when I pray, I don't always start with thanking God. Maybe you do. If you do, you like you can leave. That's, you don't need to hear this. 
But I need to start by thanking God sometimes in prayer. It's easy for me to launch into a list of the way God can answer my prayers and improve my life. Heavenly Father, would you help me get my sermon done? Would you help uh, us grow Cornerstone? Would you help me in this difficult relationship by changing them and not me? Like, these are the ways we can pray. Now, what if I started in, in gratitude first by just thanking God like Paul does here? Well, Father, thank you for the 143 sermons you gave me before this sermon. <laughs> I'm really grateful for those. Thank you for the 101 members and attenders currently belonging to Cornerstone. Thank you for the people that you have placed in my life to make me more like Christ. I want you to think in your life back to a recent prayer request that you have given God, where you ask God for something. So just think of something. How can you reframe that prayer request to first thank God? Now, there's nothing wrong with asking God for your needs. Sometimes we just need to come before him and say, God, I need this. But how can we first thank him? So like if you prayed for money recently, maybe you can ask, you can, you, can, you can thank God and say, God, thank you that you have given me just the right amount of money so that I have to depend on you. Maybe you prayed recently for a health issue. Well, thank you, God, that I get to trust in you and look forward to my resurrection body. Maybe you prayed recently for a difficult relationship. Well, you can thank God that your pastor is becoming more like Christ. We pray gratefully the first way. Paul goes on in his letter. He says, in all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. Paul prays joyfully. Now, he says in verse 5, he explains why. He says, because... Why is he so happy? Because of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now. Joy is a major theme in the book of Philippians. But Paul isn't just happy because he's happy. He's not necessarily happy because all oh, his circumstances are great. No, he's in prison. Paul is grateful because a people <laughs> that he's formed a relationship with are are. are like banding arm in arm with him to advance the cause of Jesus Christ, that they believe Jesus, they believe in the message of Christ, and they want to share the message of Christ with the world. This word for participation is the same word used in Acts 2.42 through 47 that talks about the fellowship, the breaking of bread and the prayers. It's that same word as fellowship. And what do we see in Acts 2.42 through 47? So that they were giving up, like they were selling their property and possessions and giving to anyone who was in need. There was this like close bond between the members of that early church. And Paul is saying, like as your, as your uh, apostle, <laughs> as uh, kind of a missionary, I feel this close fellowship with you even from afar. Because you're, you're, you're on the same mission that I am on seeking to advance Christ in the world. So be more joyful when you pray. <laughs> Have you ever had someone tell you that, like you're in a bad mood, and they're like, you should just be happier. Just, just be happy. Why aren't you happy? Does that ever work? <laughs> it's never worked for the people that I have told it to. <laughs> so 
but we, we can follow Paul's lead here and we can let ourselves kind of feel joy and, and be excited as we think of each other's dedication to the gospel. Like, I, I get full of joy as I think about, you know, the dedication of our sound team. They come week after week in the projection team, and they, 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 they lead us, essentially, in worship as they project. I, I am super, full, I'm full of joy because of the worship team. Andy, you're an encouragement to me. You're on the board of elders, and you're on the worship team. Look at people around you and think, wow, how, how, are, how am I seeing these people embrace the gospel? Last, last week, we did the farmer's market up on the Westford Common. And there was a team of us, the, the Michos, Sarah and Emma came, uh, Ann and Jeremy. Uh, I was there, I'm probably forgetting some names. Kathy was there. Uh, Karen, Tang, and the kids, and just seeing them up there wanting to share the gospel with the community of Westford made me excited, and it made me happy. And I, and I keep hearing stories like this as well. So we had a, a group, the youth went to the Spigot River cleanup today in Lawrence. Remember those packages that we put together last week for the homeless? You could put, I think there was like a Bible and some, I don't think it was candy bars. It was like granola bars in there and some other toothpaste, some information. So our team was cleaning by the river and they found a homeless person's kind of shelter. Uh, and I don't think the homeless person was there, uh, but they went and got one of the packets that was in the cart, and they placed it in the little shelter. <laughs> so that when that person gets back, not only is, like, the river cleaned up, but he has, or she has, like, this, this packet of care that has the words of Christ in it. Doesn't that get you excited? Doesn't that fill you with joy? Let's remember moments like these as we approach God in prayer. Let's be encouraged. So we, not only do we say, God, I need you to do these things. God, I can already see what you're doing. I can see what you're doing through my ministry team, through, uh, through the, the church. I can see what you're doing in this community. How about those stories that like, take place outside of an organized event when people share the gospel with their front lines, with their coworkers, with their friends? Man, those make me super excited. Let's let those moments fill our souls as we approach God in prayer so that we don't force joy, but we, we're grateful and we want to be a part of what God is doing. We're full of joy. So first, how should we pray? We can pray gratefully, joyfully. And verse 6 is confidently. Now, I want us to read our foundation verse together. It's on the screen. Uh, so would you join me? Ready? Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Philippians 1, 6. See, when we pray, we're, so, so we're supposed to pray like God is doing something. Like God is at work. Like that, when, we, when we pause and think, like God is at work, God is doing something, it should change the way we pray. God was doing something in that ancient church in Macedonia. Over the course of 10 years, he had grown and made a church. In fact, in, in Macedonia today, in modern Greece, the church is still there. It is 88% Christian. 
95% of that is orthodox. God is still at work. And it says God is going to carry it till completion, till the day of Christ Jesus. God is going to continue to do his work. Nothing can stop it in his church. I think Andy made that point last week where he said, this isn't just a verse, it's about me individually, it's about us as a church. Paul was writing it to the Philippians. God is doing something through the church body. And of course, well, the church body is made up of individuals. So we can apply this too to our lives. God is at work as we follow after Christ. I don't know if many of you know about the Transcontinental Railroad. Uh, it, it took six years to build. So a big project kind of connecting coast to coast on this, this railway. And there were various stages in this construction. And there was two different crews, one from kind of the east direction, the west direction. And uh, as they laid down the, the track day by day, like some of the days they, they could just throw down mile after mile, like it flew by because it was mostly level terrain. Uh, but the, 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 the crew that came from California, they met the Sierra Nevada mountains very quickly and they literally came to like a halt as they had to drill their tunnels through the mountain. And I guess as they went through, the, I wasn't there, but uh, as, they, as they went through this process, uh, Wikipedia was there. Uh, they drilled these three-quarter inch holes into the mountain. It was about four feet deep, and they packed in uh, explosives, and then they you know, get out of the way and explode it. And it would just knock off a few feet of rock, and then they would just start the process again, drilling the hole. And they would kind of move inch by inch through the mountain. But one day they actually completed it. Now maybe some days you feel like that. Like I'm just, like my, my track, like I know where I'm going in life. I'm following God. I, I feel like I'm honoring him. Man, the track is just flying down. Everything's good. And then you hit a mountain. And it's hard to see how God is at work. It's hard to see what God is doing. It's dark. You're in a tunnel. You can't see the light of day. And my illustration, uh, you are not actually the one who's laying down the track. You're not actually the one who's drilling the hole. That's God. God's the one who's taking you forward. You're the caboose. <laughs> You're the train. God is going to take you uh, to the distant shore. God is going to take you to the far country. He will get you there. He will take you to the day of completion, the day of Christ Jesus. Not only does this apply to each of us as, as Christians, as believers, but it applies to us as a church. God is taking us someplace. This, I don't know if you know the story of Cornerstone. It's on our website, and we're going to talk about it at the membership class. But there was a different church before Cornerstone, Westford Bible Church. And uh, they're not here anymore, but, but God's presence is still, like, beating and alive in Westford. In 2001, there was a different building here, and the roof actually collapsed because of all the snowfall. They had to rebuild the building. That's why it's so nice. God worked through that. God made the mountains. <laughs> He'll get us through them as we, uh, as, we, as we work through them as a church. Let's pray like God is at work. Let's just pray confidently. Let's know that he is doing what he has set out to do. And fourth, let's pray affectionately. 
Paul says in verse 7, it is right for him to feel this way about all of you because he has them in his heart. And it doesn't matter if he's imprisoned in chains because they're sharing God's grace with him. And then he says in verse 8, he says, God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. This word affection is probably my favorite Greek word in the book of Philippians. It's the word uh, splanchnon. Splanchnon. Let's all say that together as a church. Ready? One, two, three. Splanchnon. All right. You just said the word intestines in Greek. So apparently this word appears in Acts 1, verse 18, which says, Judas bought a field, and there he fell headlong, and his body burst open, and all of his affections spilled out. It's the word intestines. This is the same Greek word as affections in our verse. Can you imagine receiving a Hallmark card from like someone's <laughs> special a Valentine's Day card and instead of being covered in like white and red and pink little hearts and a bow, it's covered in white and pink and red little intestines? <laughs> I, you would open it up and it said, you know, uh, baby, I, I, I long for you with my intestines. That would be very confusing for you emotionally, wouldn't it? It would be very confusing for me. Paul is literally saying, he's saying, I long for you with the intestines of Christ Jesus. Now, the intestines were like the place where they kind of attributed their emotions. It was their core, just like our heart is our core. So it's really not that weird. Paul is just saying, I long for you with the heart of of Christ Jesus, with that place down deep inside of me that gives me life, that I need to exist, that I need to breathe, I long for you, I love you, I care about you down deep. When we pray for each other, what are we in doing? We're, we're, we're engaging our hearts, right? Maybe some of you are engaging your intestines when you pray for each other, but we want to We want to engage our love, our affection for each other. One of the reasons we gather in small groups is so that we can pray for each other and we can grow more and more in love with each other, that we can develop this affection. We pray as a church. We, we go through the, we pray for the prayer network emails. Now, when you receive those prayer network emails, if you're on the list, you probably don't think, oh, this is an opportunity for me to love the person that I am praying for. But it is. It's an opportunity to pause, pause your day, whatever you're doing, take a moment and pray for them, for the request, and engage your heart. We want to pray affectionately with the heart of Christ Jesus. So how should we pray? Gratefully, joyfully, confidently, and affectionately. Pray like God is at work. But I haven't even begun to say like what we should pray for. What if Prince William walked in and he came up to you and he said, I would like to give you one thing, whatever my kingdom can provide. Uh, I want to give you something. What would you say? What would you pray for? 
what would you ask God for? God allows us to ask for anything we want every single day. He doesn't promise that we'll give it, that he'll give it to us. But he calls us to pray. So what, what should we pray for? Well, Paul models in his prayer in verses 9 through 11 how to pray. Oh, what to pray for. And the first thing he says to pray for is, is love. Verse 9, it says, And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. I believe Paul is praying here that they would grow more in, their, they'd grow more in love with not just everything, but, but God himself and with each other, with those around them. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 13, Paul encourages the church to grow in the knowledge of God. I think it's Colossians. It talks about growing in the knowledge of the will of God. So when he's praying here, as we, as we also look at the, the big themes in Philippians that we see repeated, we see Paul praying for humility. Oh, we see Paul writing for them to have humility, unity, joy. I think we also see not just a love expressed for God, but a love expressed for those around them, for the church body. See, Paul prays with love for love. He prays in a way that, that, that models how much he cares about the church, and he prays that they would just grow in their love and their affection for God and for each other as well. So when we pray, we can pray something similar, can't we? Heavenly Father, would our church, our family, ourselves, would we each grow in our love for you as our knowledge of you grows? Like as we come and we hear a sermon or we go through teaching, as we even go through a membership class, would somehow that stir our hearts, that we grow more and more in the knowledge of you, that we know you, and that we are being known by you. You saw that in our membership uh, covenant video where Sarah talked about knowing and being known. Well, we want to experience that same kind of love with the Father. And we want this love that we have in here to seep out our doors and down our steps and up our streets, streets and impact our community of Westford. And as you go to your office on Monday or you walk your neighborhood, we want the love of Christ to continue to seep outward. And we want them to know about Christ, them to know about the Father so that they can grow in their love for God as well. So what do we do? We pray for love. We also pray for discernment. Verse 10, Paul says this. He says, so that you may be able to discern what is best. Now, God knows what's best. He is bringing our lives to completion to the day of Christ Jesus. He, he is making us more like Christ. Uh, but I don't always know what's best. <laughs> I don't always know what God's best is. But we can we can trust that he is going to, to bring us to that place. But as we go through the process of the, this life, let's pray for discernment. Lord, help us determine, help us understand what is your best. This word for uh, discern is the word test. It's like when you take a, a test or a quiz. Like we... We gave you a test tonight. How well do you know the worship songs? <laughs> I passed on some of them. 
Test yourself. Test your heart. The heart is deceitful. Test, uh, test your decisions. Father, would you great, give us a greater understanding, a greater perspective, your perspective on what's going on inside of us, inside of our church? Lord, if we are wrestling with the issues that some of the Philippians seem to be wrestling with, pride, disunity, even false teaching, Heavenly Father, would you root those things out? Would you give us discernment? Would you help us test our church, help us test ourselves. These are all good things to pray for. When you tuck your, your kids in bed, you can pray that they would have discernment as they encounter the tests of life. Would they follow Christ day by day? Lord, give us love. Help us have discernment. Verse 10, Heavenly Father, give us purity. Paul adds, so that you may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. This is another interesting word in the Greek here. It's the word elikrinos. I'm sure Terry is like shivering at my pronunciation right now. It's a compound. So you know what a compound is? It's like a butterfly like, it's not a fly that's in butter. It's this beautiful other thing, a butterfly. This is a compound. It's a compound of the Greek word for sun, helios, helios, and the Greek word for judge, krino. Helios, krino, come together, and they mean purity, purify. In other words, this, this word is talking about being judged in the light of the sun. When we don't want to be judged, where do we go? We go into darkness. Right? When we want to hide something, we, we try to bring it into the shadows. Paul wants the people of God to be pure, to stand in the light of the sun and to be found good. According to Stephen Lawson in Philippians for You, it says, This word for pure was originally used to describe a piece of fine pottery that was judged in the light of the sun and found to be without any cracks. In ancient times, devious merchants would conceal flaws in their expensive pottery with wax. The authenticity of valuable pottery was revealed when held up to the light of the sun. Paul talks about the day of Christ Jesus. One day we will all be brought into the light of the Son, the Son of God, Christ Jesus. Our, our decisions, our words, they will all be judged before him. And that can be a bit intense to think about. But if you start to feel anxious about that, just pray. Just pray, Father, would we be, be found to be pure on that day? Would we be found without cracks. One of the translations is undamaged. You can pray for people that they would be less damaged. I would appreciate that if you would pray for, for me. Father, would Jonathan be less damaged? Would I be less cracked? Would I be less broken by sin? God, would you put me back together again? I don't want sin to seep into me. Would I be pure? Would we be pure? 
But I don't know about you, but I have never met like a pot <laughs> that has cracks in it that was, that was able to like uncrack itself. <laughs> you know, Humpty Dumpty couldn't put himself back together again. And this is why we need to pray for this final thing. We need to pray for fruit. Paul's final request in verse 11 is that, that the Philippians would be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. This fruit of righteousness uh, is a whole life, a whole person, a whole church that has been molded and shaped by Jesus Christ. And notice where the fruit comes from. Does it come from the people? Does it come from the Philippians themselves? No, it comes from Jesus Christ. It comes through Christ. As Christ saturates our church and and we focus on him, as we grow in our love for him, as our, our love for each other through him, we are being molded and being transformed to be more like Christ. And in that process, somehow our cracks are being put back together again. That's what sanctification is, becoming more like Jesus. And we can only have this if we have also received the fruit of Christ's righteousness. See, in our own strength and our own power, we can never make ourselves better. But as we receive the gift of Christ's perfect life, of Christ's perfectly fruitful life, as it, as it penetrates the heart that is stony and, and hard inside of me, and bursts forth into life. Like my heart is transformed by Jesus as I recognize what he has done on my behalf on the cross, granting me his righteousness and taking my sin upon himself. And what does all of this lead to as we pray these things, as we grow in our love, as we grow in our affection for each other, as we pray for these things? What does it lead to? The very last line of Paul's prayer, to the glory and praise of God. It's all about glorifying God. It's all about bringing praise to our heavenly Father. So how should we pray? Gratefully, joyfully, confidently, affectionately. What should we pray for? Love, discernment, purity, fruit. And why can we pray all these things? It's because God is at work. Pray like, pray like God is at work. I hope you'll take your bulletin home with you tonight, this week, and if you've written some of these notes, that you will put it beside your bedstand, and as you do your evening prayers, either as a family or as a couple or by yourself, that, that you would look through those and, and try to pray this way, pray for these things. The Royal Palace in London actually <laughs> issued a response to the, the, the outcry from the British media. Uh, they said there, there is actually no royal protocol about taking pictures with the Duchess and with uh, Prince William. Like LeBron James was okay. It says, uh, the, the, apparently the senior communications officer for Buckingham Palace said, when members of the royal family meet people, they want them to feel as comfortable as possible. There is no such thing as royal protocol. It was okay for LeBron James to put his arm over Kate. 
If, if praying joyfully and, and gratefully and thankfully and affectionately for love, for discernment, for purity, for, uh, for fruit, if that sounds like a bit familiar with God, a bit close to God, opening your heart, knowing God and being known by God, that's, that's because it is. <laughs> Jesus taught us to pray, our Father who is in heaven, we address God as a father. We can, we can get close. We can, we can know and be known by God, and, and we can trust God and be confident in God's work. We can pray like God is at work. Pray like God is doing something. One day I believe it won't be our arm that is wrapping around Christ. It will be Christ's arm that is wrapping around us, and he will take us and show us all the good things that he has been doing in our lives, in the life of his church making her pure and blameless for the day of Christ Jesus. Imagine that day and pray like God is at work. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful, thankful for this opportunity to to hear your word, to, to be encouraged, to be challenged. We're excited. We're, we're happy. We, we want to just grow in our joy as a church. Be amazed by what you are doing. And we are confident that you are at work in this church, in Cornerstone Congregational Church in Westford. You are at work in your universal church, the Big C Church. Father, we love you. We pray that, that we would grow in our love for each other, that we would grow in our love for you as we grow in our knowledge of who you are. Father, would you give us discernment? Would you give us wisdom to follow you as a church? Would you transform us and mold us, make us blameless for the day of Christ Jesus? And would we bear much fruit? Would our whole lives, each one of our lives, and our life as a church body be be just transformed by Christ, by his righteousness? Heavenly Father, I, I do lift up the offering we're about to take. Would we use it in a way that honors and pleases you? In Jesus' name we pray, amen.